Hello, fellow travelers. This is David Woods, your host and trusted guide. Welcome to our little fellowship as we gather to discuss the Christian life in a post-Christian world. We are broadcasting from Babylon with love. A couple of nights ago, Lisa was reading Little House on the Prairie to the kids. We had a fire going in the fireplace. I was working on something right there on the couch. And Lisa was reading a part in which Pa was having to sort of cut and shape and then hang a second door on their new house that they were building. The house didn't have a floor yet. Uh, The walls, everything else was up. Windows were cut. Everything was there. But they were having an issue with wolves being in the area. And so Pa decided, of course, that he needed to to make a second door so that they would be fully protected inside their home. And so he was showing the girls how that was working. Laura's describing all the things he did and and just the daily activity of what was next and how the family each had this part and they were learning or they were helping and they were doing all these things. And as Lisa was reading just a few pages of this, all of a sudden she sort of looked up, we sort of looked at each other and we were both like, oh, their whole life is like quarantine. <laughs> their whole life, they're just, it's just them. In fact, there was a, a, a moment when it describes that the nearest town is 40 miles away and, and that means they would never go there unless there was like some crazy emergency. And so we just had this moment where we're under this lockdown, we're under this moment where everyone's freaking out about staying home, being stuck at home, climbing the walls at home, getting on each other's nerves at home, right? Like wishing we could get out and do our things away from each other at home. And we were just reading about this little family, you know, out there on the prairie, just only always having each other all the time, and that being the normal free that being the free rhythm of their life. And in fact, like they would think themselves most free because they could sort of build this home, because they could work at this together, because they they didn't require, you know, you know, whatever other kind of outside institutions or whatever to help them live, live a good, decent, God-honoring, uh, enjoyable sort of music, laughter, genuinely full life and uh and it just struck me man this is this is an interesting moment to be thinking about home this is an interesting moment to be thinking about what is a home and what what is our home for what as christians should we think about when we think about home like this is a moment of sort of pressure sort of testing a real challenge moment for for people all over the world and certainly in this country, certainly in our areas. And, and, and what a great time during this time of challenge, this time of testing, this time of what D. Hallowell, which I love this phrase, uh, it calls the simplification. You know, everybody's out here like, you know, it's, it's the quarantine, it's the lockdown, you know, it's the isolation, you know, it's like all these terror, it's the prison sentence, you know, it's like all these things. But but uh, David Hallowell's out there and, and, you know, and he's talking about it being the time of the simplification. And I love that. I love thinking about this time of limitations, this Lenten season of having all these things taken from us. 
being a time of testing that is a time ultimately of simplification in which we are sort of at home, looking around at home, noticing things maybe uh, in our homes we didn't even notice before, uh, things that maybe aren't quite finished, things that are actually a little more beautiful than we realize because we're staring at the walls a little more than we have. But we're also staring at these people a little more than we wouldn't have in the past because of just the rhythms of life, the busyness of life, and, and even within families, the, the activities that sort of take people away, you know, to work and away, you know, all the normal things. But what an incredible time in this time, the era of the simplification. Uh, what a great time to be thinking about what are our homes, what are they for, what do we wish they were. Now, as as Christians, I, I would say, you know, the home, first and foremost, the home needs to be a place where you meet with the Lord. The home needs to be a place where the Lord is invited in. The home needs to be that kind of place where you can be refreshed in your spirit, where where you can find peace when you are at home, that, that this could be a place not of chaos or, or tension. And I know in people's lives it's so hard if your home is a place of chaos or tension. I mean, in so many ways, it's like the home is like a reflection of your own soul, your spirit, your psyche. You know, if your home has cracks and fissures, if there's tension in your family and in that home place, then you carry that out into the world wherever you go. Uh, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, some of my students probably, I, I don't know families that well. You know, I know my kids, I know the students, but like, you know, I imagine for some people being home right now is so taxing because home was already not a place of rest. You know what I'm saying? That home was already a place of tension and relationships that were, you know, in the middle of, of, of just challenging stuff that was not being resolved, maybe things that were not being addressed, maybe things that were festering over, you know, years and years, who even knows. But for some people, suddenly having to be at home is exposing them to a reality that they probably enjoyed being distracted from. They probably even sought distractions from, you know, the kind of marriage that's so sort of uncomfortable, maybe so sort of, you know, dishonest or just full of tension that, you know, each person, you know, is, is, is like, wait a minute, my whole life, you know, was like sort of trying to get, get distracted from this marriage. And now we got to deal with this marriage. We got to deal with this tension. Now the kids, if there are kids in the home now, now they're going to see more things or they're going to have to confront more things that, you know, like it's just an incredible moment of revealing what is already there, revealing what the home is. And, and if, it, if the home for you is a place not of chaos, but is a place of goodness, if it's a place that you have invested in, if it's a place where you, you can just remember the times the Lord has met you in that, in that home, you can remember the, the places you've called on the name of the Lord and, and he has shown up and you can, you can sort of almost point at the place you were sitting or at the, the place in the kitchen where you're having that conversation or the prayer you said in the backyard when, when the finances disappeared or, you know, if that, if the home has been a place for you of, relationships that are worked on, invested in, of things that are that are peaceful, things that are going in a way that pleases the Lord, going in a way that, that calls on the Lord and the Lord, Lord shows up in those places, then for you, sure, it is 
it can be challenging to not be able to sort of get out as it were although hopefully you're in a position I know not everybody is but hopefully you're in a place where you sort of you can go on walks and things like this I know some people are genuinely sort of trapped you know urban big cities and maybe they actually have some symptoms and stuff like this and so I know some people in particular who, who haven't left their apartment for two weeks except to like reach a hand out the door and pick up some some groceries that someone dropped off you know what I mean so I respect that for some people, this is an extraordinarily uh, enclosed moment that is that would be difficult for anybody, absolutely anybody. Um, that's not, I'm not talking about that. That is extreme, and, and and God willing, that that you know, sort of getting out at all sort of moment won't be normal um, for very long for those people that I'm thinking of. Um, but what I am thinking of is this idea that we are now face-to-face with our homes. We are now face-to-face with an atmosphere that we have created, we ourselves have created either by um, investment or by sort of distraction or by sort of um, you know wanting to flee and not wanting to work on things. All of a sudden now we're faced with uh, the things maybe we were building and the things we weren't building. All of a sudden, we're faced with, wait a minute, there's a, <laughs> there hadn't been a door on the back of this house. There'd be wolves coming in this house every night. There'd be wolves all over the place. My kids are, are feeling like constantly sort of unsafe or unwell because there, there hasn't been certain investments in this home. Or, or maybe, again, it's a moment of discovery. Man, man we invested in, in this atmosphere, this life together, and and so this is a place of refreshment. This is a place of goodness. This is a place where where we don't need to go crazy. This is a place where we can find the, the simple, real things that are essential to good, healthy living. That idea of home as sort of your mentality, as a sort of a reflection of how you've invested over the years, that we're now faced with what that looks like, and we're faced with maybe how uncomfortable we are with that, or how sort of lopsided or maybe not deep enough it feels. I think this is a beautiful moment, even if it feels really hard and like a real test, a beautiful moment to say, okay, what is my home for? Like, why do I have a home, right? Like, why is there such a thing as this sort of home and this, this sort of place together, right? What is this for? What is the telos, the Greek word, the goal of, of this place? As I say, for Christians, at its most basic but most essential level, a home is a place of calling on the Lord. A home should be a place where you meet with the Lord. A home, home should be a place where you are refreshed in your spirit, with the Lord, that you are able to find sort of grounding and you're able to find sort of the energy for life and you're able to take that out with you into whatever is next, or you're able to maintain and keep going back to those wells if you are home literally much more often than you would be, right? That, that this, would, this would not be something that would drive you crazy, but but that but that it would be something that genuinely replenishes you because it's been built well, it's been invested in well. These relationships, this this space as a sacred space with the Lord, that these things have been had been built in. But let's just say, let's just say, uh, nobody's perfect. Let's say that, and let's say that as we are going through this time of the simplification, if I can just steal that straight up, um, this is a really good time to reassess the way we have built our homes. 
the, the priorities we have placed in our homes. Is it a good time to test the walls, test the doors? You know, is there a, is there a door with a busted hinge? Are there, are there things that are unhealthy that keep getting into your home and have been getting into your home maybe for months or years? Like this is a time to, to sort of look a little closer because we don't have a lot of choice, but a good time to look a little closer at sort of the paint that might be peeling, the cracks that might be showing, um, or maybe just some like, you know, I, I noticed a spike, like, I noticed one too many cobweb up in a corner of a ceiling. I was like, man, why didn't I, that's pretty shabby. Why didn't I like, you know, sweep that down with a broom before? Well, I'll tell you why, because I'm always late for work. <laughs> and then I always come home late. And then there's only so much time to eat and help get the kids, you know, into bed. And, and then by then, it's, we're exhausted. and You know what I mean? Like, because life, that's why. Uh, but even though life is no less sort of uh, tiring, in fact, it may be even more exhausting, you know, trying to work from home. Nonetheless, uh, we are home. And, and so I am seeing more things, right? I am noticing more things. I actually, I don't want to say I did yard work. And if you know me, you know, like pull your pull your car that you're not driving over so you don't crash but um like i was ripping up stuff from the yard the other i I was like out there i'm like all right it's my home it's time to clear some land like i'm feeling all like paw ingles over here you know well what's that well it's just because i'm out staring at my home like i was sitting there i was holding hat today i was sitting out there on the back uh in the backyard and i'm looking around i'm hearing these birds man i'm like trying to pick out the different bird sounds you know and, uh, and I'm thinking about birds all this time. <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about birds. And on one of our walks yesterday, because you got to take walks or you lose your mind. On one of our walks yesterday, like, we saw this, like, real class bird feeder in our neighbor's yard. By the way, uh, so this time of the simplification is the time also where you discover you have neighbors. And uh, if you didn't know them before, you start to meet them. And so we're meeting all sorts of neighbors. Now, we're relatively new to the neighborhood, but I promise you... <laughs> Had the world not been struck by a virus, we would not be meeting like 80% of these people in any normal, natural way for years, okay? I just I just know our rhythms, and they don't usually take us to the house that's 12, 12 houses down, you know what I'm saying? But we're meeting neighbors to the left of us, neighbors to the right of us, and they're like, oh, we live at the greenhouse, and we're like, oh, we live in that blue house, right? Like, we're like trying to like all figure out our space, like home is that, right? That's home, going on a walk, meeting your neighbors, right? So I'm out here meeting my neighbors and looking in their yards, you know, I'm like eavesdropping. I mean, it's public, so it's all right, but I'm like, I'm just kind of scanning, and I'm like, hey, you got something good going on there, and I see this like real on-point bird feeder, and I'm like, man, this bird feeder, well, actually, at least she's like hey look at all those birds and i'm like look at those birds and i'm not it's not like one bird it was like maybe a half dozen bird and there was a, it was like a teardrop bird feeder that went one to the right one to the left there's two bird feeders and these birds were like just just everywhere and it wasn't like shabby birds you know it wasn't like crows you know it wasn't just like some ominous sign from the middle ages or something like it was like beautiful like little birds like songbirds and stuff like this and there were different kinds and they were like having to all negotiate their space you know and uh and i'm looking at this i'm like man why don't we have a bird feeder you know and i'm starting to think about this and so then i was later on i was sitting out there um in our backyard and i'm like yeah bird feeders 
yeah, we need to be feed. Yeah, we need <laughs> we need a bird feeder. And I'm starting to say, okay, where would that be? And I I thought, oh, it should be over there. And I kind of picked a spot in like kind of the edge of the yard where it should be. And then I was like, wait a minute, if it's there, I wouldn't be able to see it from this window or from that window or from our from our bedroom sort of sliding glass door thing. Um, and so I was like, okay, wait a minute, no, uh, it would be better. And so I'm like, I don't know. I'm just saying, like maybe a half hour. I'm thinking of where the bird feeder that I probably would not have thought to buy maybe ever and I thought I know you're probably out here saying hey Paul Ingalls why don't you make a bird feeder why don't you put on your big boy pants and make a bird feeder and I would just say I still am working okay I I still have to work so I don't it's not like I have more time I might even have less but but I'm staring at stuff a little bit longer that's all I'm trying to say so either way I found this perfect spot and I'm like, okay, it could be could get that teardrop thing. That's pretty on point. But it could also just get something that like suspends down from this like beam. There's a couple beams out in our in our backyard. There's like a beam kind of thing. And and so I'm like thinking about this and I'm like getting pretty serious in my head about it. Why? Home. I'm just like, hey, that's cool. Like my kids are home a lot, you know, they're small. And so I'm like, yeah, they should be hearing like birds. Well, the, you know, there's birds everywhere. Oh, they should be seeing the birds though. And so I should be like drawing the birds in. I should invest in like time and a little bit of effort and maybe a little moolah and like bring some birds into our world, you know, because that would be really beautiful, right? Like that would just be like more beautiful. Some of you are like, birds are a mess, don't do it. But like, I'm not going to hear the haters. I'm just going to be thinking right now about beauty and music. And so I'm like thinking about ways of like, you know, making more beautiful the space that God has given us. And I'm like, hey, this is home, man. This is what this is. Like, I want to invest in this. So I don't know where you're at. I, I, I know nobody's got some perfect family, perfect sort of devotional time with the family every day. Um, I, I, I know maybe our rhythms get crazy and, and you have the best laid plans and it doesn't work out. But here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. This is a time to see if there's some broken doors. This is time to see if, you know, maybe that TV shouldn't be the thing that's orienting all the space in your whole house, right? Maybe that TV shouldn't be at the center of the world. I'm not saying you can't have one. I'm just saying like, maybe that's a move you make where you're like, you know what? Everything's pointing at that wall with the TV. And, and you know, that's not quite hmm, that's not quite what I'm up to. That's not quite what I want. Like, maybe that's the time. I know I just offended everybody. Everyone's all annoyed now. Oh, who do you think holier than thou because you got rid of your TV and you still watch movies on your laptop? Facts. Those are facts. I can't deny any of those facts. But I will say, like, not having a TV on the wall was like a life-changing move just because it doesn't just call to you all the time, you know? So just being thoughtful about, like, where we could make some different kinds of investments in our home. And I'm going to assume for many of us, there are, we just went down wrong paths and they're just not working out. You know what I mean? Like we just, we, we don't have any rhythms. We got no structure. Maybe we don't know how to do meals together with, with, uh, you know, people around us or, you know, the family doesn't know how to do a meal together. You know, like maybe we've gone down paths that haven't been good and we got to go back. There's that great opening move in uh preface to the great divorce where Lewis says, I don't think that all who choose wrong roads perish, but their rescue consists in being put back on the right road. Let me say that again. I don't think that all who choose wrong roads perish, right? You're not doomed just because you kind of invested, you know, maybe not in the healthiest or smartest way for your family or your home, you know, thing. But uh, the rescue consists in being put back on the right road, 
right? And then he uses one of his perfect analogies, which he has just sort of filling his pockets. And he says a sum, like a, a math problem, a sum can be put right, but only if you go back and find the error and then work it afresh from that point. You're never going to fix the problem by simply going on. And that's what I would just say, uh, I would just as an encouragement would say, whatever cracks you are discovering in home, whatever like not peace, not refreshment, not coherent, not patient, not loving, whatever like, you know, too much sort of junk food in whatever way that means, waste of time, nonsense stuff, um, you know, not enough deep, beautiful things, whatever stuff that you feel like, ah, this is not enough. This is not, if I'm stuck, trapped, quarantined, or if I'm given the testing, the beautiful testing of this the simplification, what whatever cracks you see, they're not going to be fixed by just going forward, like just moving on, just like, ah, oh, well, let's just keep moving forward. I'm telling you, you know, colonies of spiders would begin to live in my house because I, I, I'm not the person who just, I'm just don't, I don't typically have a lot of moments in my day where I sort of look up at the corners of my ceiling, you know, I just don't, maybe that's on me, but I don't normally do that. And I can't be like, well, you know, uh, if I just keep moving forward, if I just keep keep going forward the way I've been doing things, like I'm sure the spiders will sort themselves out. That's not going to happen, right? You got to stop. You got to go back. You got to find a broom, and you got to sweep those cobwebs out of your out of your house. You got to go. You got to find a crack in this, or you got to find a door that's busted there, and you got to go back. And you have to you have to fix those things. You have to say, man, I want to have two doors that work because I don't want wolves coming in at night. I remember before we, right before we had John, our first kid, I remember, I remember looking at like our movie collection and I remember seeing a few movies that I always really enjoyed, really appreciate You know, we, they're sort of more like sort of R-rated, you know, like they're, the language wasn't whatever and the, you know, violence and stuff like that. But you know, like the just really compelling stories and like that. And I remember with a few, with a, with maybe two or three films, I remember thinking, I don't want that in my home. Like, I don't want my kid like, being like, <laughs> Daddy, what's this? And being like, well, son, you know, it's a different time. And, you know, the way mob bosses talk to each other. You know, it's just a different... When you're older, son, like, I, I didn't want to have too many conversations with my children where I said that there was something in our home. I'm just giving a dumb example. Where there was something in our home that was off limits because it was for grown-ups. But really, by grown-ups, I meant there was a lot more sin <laughs> sin in, in it that was that would be very damaging for anybody who was innocent and pure, i.e. them, right? <laughs> like, I, I, I just pictured myself having conversations where I was trying to explain to my child, well, you know, when you get older, you know, and you get hardened by sin and you really lower your expectations and, and you know, you, you, you compromise, you know, your entertainment for years and years and years. You become a crusty old sort of person who, who just can put up with a lot of stuff as long as there's a pretty good plot in there somewhere. And I'm not, I'm not hating on anything in particular. I'm just thinking I had this thought in my head before our son was born. I, like I didn't want stuff in our home that my kids would point at and they would know was not for them because in my head, uh, because it was full of dark stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, like I just remember thinking, that's, that's weird. Like, that's weird. And I'm not, I, I'm genuinely not telling anybody how, <laughs> how to make decisions like that. I'm just telling you, I had that thought, and it was the first time. I looked at some video games I had, I looked at some movies we had, and it was the first time in my whole life. I mean, maybe outside of one moment where I had that thought, um, right before Lisa and I got married, where I was like, oh, she's, that's not cool. Like, that's a pretty, 
like, you know, I had some dark stuff. Like, I was big into, like, you know... <laughs> Sorry. I was, like, I was like relatively interested in sort of movies with demons and, you know, exorcist stuff and whatever. And, whatever. and I'm not... Again, some of those are pretty legit stories. They're based on real things. Uh, you know, I read some stuff. You know, I, you know, I mix it up a little bit out there. I'm not, I'm not saying I don't. But I do remember thinking, oh, man, you know, my wife is, like, you know, pretty sensitive person. And, and I see that as a great high good. I see that as a strength... Um, and my lack of sensitivity I see as a weakness. And so I was like, ah, that's just kind of weird, you know, like having kind of dark, you know, films like or stuff around in our home that I know would like, it, that if she watched them would be like, you know, would just like give her nightmares and like keep her up. Like, I don't know, like I just, and maybe, uh, maybe you could read that a thousand ways that isn't like great. But, but I just remember thinking for the first time by getting married and then especially when we had our kids, what is this space I'm in? Like, how have I invested in it? What have I brought into this place? And I started to see as I, as I kind of became more responsible to a spouse and became responsible to children, I started to see that, like, I hadn't really been thinking about my home as a home. I just thought it was a space where I sort of crashed, you know? And I started thinking more about it as a home and as a place where, wait, I don't want dark things in here, even if I can justify because the, there's a literary plot underneath there that's pretty profound. Like, you know, I, but like, I, that I, don't, I don't want them on my shelves. Like, I don't want them like, you know, I don't want them displayed. You know, I don't want them just sort of like, like you know, hey, look at me. <laughs> like, I started thinking about how the home actually either welcomed, welcomed in good things, welcomed in dark things. What, like, what, what was I going to put in this place? where other people and I lived in relationship with each other. And I started to just have different thoughts that maybe as a young guy, you know, and, and through his 20s, just really maybe never thought like previously. And, uh, and so I started thinking about home in a different way as like, well, like forget like just justifying everything I already like, right? That was kind of my mode as a, as a single guy. Like just justify everything you like already and explain why it's okay to like it. Um, but then it became about, no, 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 I want to cultivate a home with these other people that are like, you know, my, my family and my, you know, these relationships that are profound. And, and, and it became like, wait, now how do I want to build this? It became not like just home is the thing that happens as you accumulate, you know, a series of things that you do because you already wanted to do it. And that's just what it is but home became a thing where like you can intentionally design build you know think through uh, what you want this place to be and so so if if that means in relationships or in in just the way that your home operates if that means that you need to go back and reassess go back and undo some things lewis says that's the way you go forward the way to go forward is not by just going on it's go back to the place where things went off find the error work it through afresh evil can be undone lewis says but it cannot develop into good evil is not going to just sort of you just keep pushing it forward and it'll turn into good it can be undone but you have to literally wind it back the spell must be unwound bit by bit so if there is anything that this time is revealing to you that is sort of like a crack or a, a clear deficiency or or something that might even be a wolf that got in. Well, go to that place. Go back. Be willing to go back to that place and unwind that spell bit by bit. You know, do like what an incredible time of progress to go back and undo some things that have not actually yielded your home as a place of peace, 
for everyone, as a place of refreshment and renewal, as a place of safety, as a place where everyone feels that they are genuinely welcome who are there and are safe and can be who they are and can talk about tough things. You know, if that, if you haven't, whether on accident or otherwise, if you haven't created your home in certain ways that you know you ought to or you would want to, we'll go back, unwind what you have done, unwind the spell. Evil can be undone, but it cannot develop by just moving forward. It's not just going to turn into something good because you have good intentions. You have to go back to the place where there was an error and you have to rework the math problem until you get the right outcome, right? So what I want to say then is that home is not just about what you find yourself in right now, but home is a goal. Home is a trajectory. Home is is your, you know, in ancient literature, there there's two kinds of epics in the Greek world, and Homer exemplified both. There was the epic of glory, of personal sort of success and achievement on the battlefield, and that was the, the war epic. They called it the Kleos epic, the epic of glory, the epic of achievement, the epic of, of winning renown, of proving yourself, of making a name for yourself in the world, right? And that's the war epic. That's the Iliad, right, where the great warriors are trying to sort of earn eternal recognition for their great feats in battle, right? And then there was another kind of epic, like two different kinds of epics. The Kleos epic of glory and renown and war. And then there was the epic of Nostos. And the epic of Nostos, Nostos being this beautiful, rich Greek word, means an epic of homecoming. That there is an entire genre of literature about trying to get home. About home not just being the place you found yourself, but home being the place you were going Home being the trajectory, the telos, the goal. Home being a, a way of describing your ultimate desire. The thing that you were moving through space, time, and your own stuff in your own heart in order to arrive at. The epic of nostos, the epic of homecoming. This is, of course, exemplified by the Odyssey. Odysseus has left the epic of Kleos, the epic of renown. There's blood all over that battlefield. There's tragedy to the left of him and tragedy to the right of him. And now he turns to finally return home to Ithaca, home to Penelope, home to Telemachus, home to his family, home to his people, home to a place... Ithaca, Penelope, Penelope even more than Ithaca becomes sort of the locus classicus of what home is. And my wife, my home, he, he, he leaves the, the temptation of goddesses, of eternal life, eternal sexual enjoyment, eternal everything. And he says, I would rather die in Penelope's arms. That his greatest desire, and he sometimes has to work through it, but the, the greatest desire, the thing that will orient his decisions, that will sort of put second, third, fourth, every other desire, the greatest desire is his nostos. The greatest desire is Penelope. The greatest desire is whatever you put first when you order your loves. Whatever you put is the highest thing that everything else will we'll be able to be adjusted to achieve, to arrive at, to get to that highest desire, that highest goal. That is home. That, that, that is what nostos means. 
and, and that's what the entire Odyssey is about. What are the challenges that come up in that journey home? And for you, Christian, what are the challenges that come up in, in the distance between yourself and maybe your family, if you have a family, and, and the self and the family you know you are called to be? See, home doesn't just name the thing in front of you. It names, it names the desire for the best version of those things, the things that you're moving toward. It names a distance. It names a series of obstacles. It names all sorts of things. It opens up a space and time. It opens up a realm or an arena of testing. What are you willing to go through and do in order to achieve that highest goal of homecoming? of nostos, to get to that further shore, to get to the thing you know more than anything, it gives you life. In the Odyssey, you know all of the, maybe some of you know all of those sort of challenges, the, the siren's call that would, that would tear you off course and batter you against the rocks. I, you know, I had this weird thought the other day. It's like, what if, what if there were like guys out there who were like about to you know, have an affair or like, you know, commit adultery or some crazy thing. And they were, they were out there and they were like, you know, setting something up. And then all of a sudden, literally government lockdown mandate, whatever, go home. Like, what if there are people out there who this has, has taken them away from something that was about to bash them against the rocks and leave them or their marriage or their family bloodied and, and just sort of impossible to recover from? What if, what if there's a moment that's been opened up in sort of the, the shadowy places of our hearts where we are being able to say or have the Lord ask us directly, what is your greatest desire? What is your greatest love? What is that thing for which you would be willing to go through hell to get to that place? What is that that you would be willing to have them bind you to the mast so that you did not fall for the siren song? Uh, there's that incredible moment when Odysseus's men arrive on this particular island, and it's the island of the lotus eaters. And the lotus eaters are the sort of these sort of really, really calm people who have this incredible plant, the lotus plant, and it produces this fruit. And it's just the most incredible fruit. And Odysseus's men start to eat the fruit, and they start to enjoy the fruit. And the fruit starts to work in them, this effect. It, it's almost like a drug or an intoxication. It, it start, it's so unbelievably satisfying that as they consume more and more and more of this lotus fruit, their minds, their memories, their desire for home starts to become duller and duller and duller until eventually Odysseus returns to where they are and he says, all right, guys, we got we, we to gotta go. We got to go. We got to get home. We got to get to Ithaca. We got to get out of here. And one of them turns to him and says, what's Ithaca? And, and, and what he realizes is this lotus fruit that is sort of the most wonderful, immediate, sensory delight has stolen from them their desire for home has stolen that great desire for, for the greatest thing, for the return to, to the hope, to the trajectory of their life, to the great goal of their existence. It has been erased from their desire. It's been erased from their memory by the lotus fruit. And Odysseus, rather than try to even reason with them, 
He binds them and he drags them for their own safety. He realizes that this sort of dumb disintegration of their deepest desire for nostos, for home, is as dangerous as the jaws of Polyphemus. And so he drags these intoxicated men back to the ship against their will, very much against their will. And he ties them to the oars in order to save them. And he's like, go, you know, and he just sort of takes over because he realizes he is saving their lives because they are being destroyed by a temporary satisfaction, which has replaced Nostos, replaced their desire and even their memory of Ithaca of home, of their wives, of their children, of their people, of the place that they're trying to get to. So for us, this could be an incredible moment in which maybe there were people who were tasting of the lotus fruit in whatever way, shape, and form, and now that becomes impossible because you're always seen. Now that becomes impossible because you're regularly with your spouse or with your you know, roommate or with your children. And so you're not even allowed sort of to go to the place or to, or to disappear, as it were, to be distracted with, with work if work became that lotus fruit. So you would always just be distracted by always having to work and not attend to home and those relationships that, that maybe that lotus fruit was the very thing that was erasing your ultimate desire for God's best for your life and these relationships for home. What does Jesus say? What does he say? What does he say? Like, put the kingdom of God first and everything else will be added to you. You will encounter all sorts of blessings and goodness and beauties and joys and things along the path as long as you get Nostos right. If you put the kingdom first, for Odysseus, if he puts Penelope first, he is going to have the fullness of life. The moments he doesn't, the moment he's distracted, the moment he is imperiled. For a Christian, put ye first the kingdom of God. That is our nostos on that further shore. So what would it look like if in your home, the kingdom of God is the trajectory of your home? What would it look like if the goal of your home is that home with the Lord? It would mean that your home is oriented toward beatitude and communion with the Lord. It would mean you're designing and investing your time, your relationships, your energies to, more, to bring more of the Lord into more of your life. That, that's what it would mean if, if the kingdom is first. That means the kingdom is your nostos, that you, you will avoid the lotus eaters. You will, you will discard temporary satisfactions that would dull your senses or lead you off course because of that great high goal of Nostos, of returning home one day to the fullness of the life that God has called us to. Put ye first the kingdom of God. If our homes were directed toward that, we would have different stories. We would, we would be bringing, and I'm not just saying all everything, you know, Christian. I'm saying deep, rich, challenging, you know, like we would just be invested in less fluff, less just sort of empty calorie sort of ways of spending time. And again, I'm not saying that there's not a place for just some frivolity, right? Like have at it, right? But, but if you see being home, that on balance, there's a lot more sort of empty calorie uh, ways of spending time 
uh, either by yourself or with people around you, then then you know is is going to sort of orient you toward that true home that you would actually want, the kind of thing you would hope for eventually would be more the atmosphere of your regular life, then it's time. It's time. It's a great time. It's a great time to go back and say, okay, man, what in my daily schedule just is just caught up in lotus fruit? What in my daily schedule has distracted me from that goal of, of making this a place where we call on the name of the Lord daily, regularly, where the Lord is welcome here, where we make it clear the Lord's welcome here by in part making it clear that the enemy is not welcome here, that, that distractions and, and empty forms of life and, and dangerous or even toxic forms of life, even if you think they're secret or anonymous, I hope this is a time in which those things are being exposed as, as being harder and harder to sustain if they are corrupting your soul. I, I hope you're seeing, oh man, I, I can't be... I can't be dabbling in this stuff, man. These are wolves coming in. My kids stay here. This is this is my home. I need to protect this place. I need to invest in this place. I need to give everything good that I have to this place. You know, work is not your home. You you, you need to do your work and do it well. But you know, if work has replaced your your nostos, if it has become man success at work, you know achievement there. I'll tell you what, you left nostos. That's called kleos. That's a different story. And in the Greek world, that story where you pursue forms of life that are about your personal achievement, your selfish ambition, your renown, your CV, your resume, your attention, your influence, your renown on that battlefield of life, the arena of life, the competition of life. That is a tragedy. That is what that is. The Iliad is a tragedy. The, the, the epic of Kleos is an epic of narcissism and ultimately of tragedy. The epic of Nostos is a different story. It involves hospitality with strangers and places. It involves needing the help of neighbors to continue your travels along the way. Think of Odysseus in the Hall of the Phaeacians telling the story of his self so that they can aid him, support him, understand and sympathize with him so that they can help him, what? To get home. You're out there meeting your neighbors. You're out there sailing to foreign lands and meeting foreign minds and having to interact with people who are not your people just to be sane right now. That's, that's, that's Nostos. That's, that's the epic of homecoming. That's the epic where, where you, you, you need and you depend on your relationships. It's not all about you. It's not the Iliad. It's not the story of war and glory. This is the story of getting back to your wife and kids. This is the story of, of, of put ye first the greatest things. Not yourself, but this life together, this, this home. Man, I, I didn't mean to preach, but but I, I just think this is an incredible opportunity to say to see what would be worth investing in, going back and, and fixing an error that has yielded emptiness or isolated forms of life with your spouse or your kids or or, or your neighbor and say, yeah, I want to go back and I want to undo that. I want to unwind that spell and I want to start kind of sewing in the good magic. I want to start sewing in the good story. I want to start sewing to a story that is about life together with these people in a way that brings blessing and goodness to their lives that isn't just about me and my achievements. Uh, what an incredible time, my friends. The time of the simplification to look again at our homes, to appreciate what we have taken for granted, 
to invest in what we have been distracted from, to, to make good on the things we know we would hope were already the case, and not despair, and, and not just be sort of losing it or getting on each other's case all the time, but say, man, there's some tension here. Can we invest in this? Can we, can we just double down and make this a, a good thing by just learning how to love each other and invest and pay attention to each other and, and offer compassion and, and a, just a listening ear and support and encouragement rather than just claiming that we're always busy with something else and we just don't have time to check the corners of the ceiling for spider webs? Like, can, can we just take a moment to sit a little bit longer in that backyard or, or in that living room? Or, or stand a little bit longer in that kitchen and just sort of look around at the space and the people that you find yourself with at this moment and just say, man, Lord, what would it look like? What would it look like if I invested so much more of myself and of my prayers and, 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 and welcomed so much more of you into this place, into this, into this life, into real life, this life with others, this life with you, Man, I just pray, I pray that your homes would be blessed by this unique challenge, by this unique testing, and that you would find resources in the Holy Spirit in prayer of just asking the Lord, man, what would it look like to, to, to orient our home in a way that is clearly directed at the kingdom of God being first and foremost in our lives? Because I'm telling you, Jesus isn't kidding, and, 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 he, and he's not saying just for some people seek ye first the kingdom of God. Look for that home. Look for that shore. Look look for that above all else. And everything good and true and beautiful will be added unto you. My friends, as we near the end of season one of this podcast project, we are wondering if there is enough interest and investment, frankly, in our listeners who want to hear a season two. If you are interested in this going forward into a second season, we would ask that you would visit the website from babylonwithlove.com. Click on the donate button for a a one-time donation or a recurring monthly donation. We would hugely appreciate that, and it would also help us to make that decision about planning and preparing for season two. Thank you so much for joining us today, everybody. If you found any of this interesting, we do hope you will share the podcast, that you will rate us on iTunes with those five sweet stars, and and that you will subscribe, and that you will tell your friends and your neighbors and your relatives and your mother Lois to subscribe, and your sweet, sweet grandmother, old grandmother Eunice. Eunice should definitely subscribe. Until next time, may you live well, think well, and love well. Godspeed.